Aloha and welcome once again to another episode of the Hawaii Vacation Connection. My name is Bruce Fisher. Thanks very much for checking in for this Friday, March 22nd, 2013. This is our 566 podcast. We got a lot of ground to cover today. We're going to be answering some podcast and Facebook listener questions. Also got some news for you and we're going to tell you all about picking the right airplane seat when you come to Hawaii, and you can really use these uh, these rules for any flight you take anywhere you go. This podcast is brought to you by us. We're the owners of Hawaii Aloha Travel. We're in Hawaii. We're Hawaii's experts, and you can catch us on the web at www.hawaii-aloha.com, or you can just give us a call at 1-800-843-8771. We're real easy to reach. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Aloha Bruce, or check out our Facebook page, Hawaii.vacation. And if you got a smartphone, uh, please download our app. It's totally free. It's called Hawaii Aloha, and it gives you all of our content right in the palm of your hand. If you're planning a trip to Hawaii, that's all we do here. We have 15 agents. We're all born and raised here or lived here most of our lives. So we really understand these islands. That goes a long way when planning a Hawaii vacation. You know, this destination can get complicated. That's probably why you're listening right now. There's so much information. There's so many things you can find out about Hawaii. There's so many islands. Well, how do you narrow down it? And how do you get to the to the final itinerary when you only have like maybe a week for a vacation and you have all these things and all these possibilities, right? Well, we can narrow it down, cut to the chase, save you a lot of time, give you the best advice that there is out there, and at the same time, save you money. Yes. We can actually save you money. Put me to the challenge. I can help you. Write to me, Bruce, at hawaii-aloha.com. Well, let's get right to it because we've got a huge show here. I've got tons of stuff to talk about. First of all, the weather. I always like to give like a little weather update here. Uh, we are, we're having like lousy weather right now. Uh, today, we saw a front come in. And not only is it rainy, it's really muggy. So if you're coming here the next couple of days, you might want to think about some of the indoor activities you can do. And there are tons of things that you can do indoors. In fact, I've got a, t- several blog posts and several uh, things on our blogs for, for rainy days and still to have fun because it does happen here. You, you know, there's no way you can sh- control Mother Nature. I understand it's going to be through the weekend. By Sunday, it should be clearing out. And next week looks pretty good. So hopefully you'll have good weather if you're going to be heading out here in the next few days. Okay, let's get right to it here. Got a few things I wanted to mention to you. Kind of a weird thing happened yesterday. Um, We had a client that needed to stay at the Modern Honolulu. It actually was a local client. We were looking for those Kaima Aina rates. And I went to their website and I discovered that the Modern Honolulu, this is a high-end hotel that opened a couple of years ago to a lot of fanfare has now switched managements again. It was kind of a big shock to me. And it used to be the Waikiki edition, and now it's the modern Honolulu. And now they've switched managements again, management again. And I really love that hotel, and I was really surprised it's had such a tough go. And there's a whole article on our podcast page, on our blog page, actually, if you want to take a look that look at that and uh, find out more information. But I was it's interesting to see it's no longer an Aqua property anymore. And, you know, Aqua's a big hotel chain here. Actually, they're a management company here in the islands. Another question that we get a lot about is whether or not travelers should ship their luggage 
from the mainland here because of all of the high fees. And we analyzed this. We also did a blog post about it. And there's been a lot of articles about it. And the short answer is probably not, but it depends on your circumstances. So check that out on our blog as well. And here's an interesting thing. I don't know if it's interesting, but you know, a lot of times people ask me, uh, you know, uh, because we live in Hawaii, do you have this restaurant? Do you have that restaurant? Do you have Burger King? <laughs> you know, do you have the same restaurants that you have in the mainland? And one restaurant that has eluded us is Olive Garden. It looks like Hawaii may be getting an Olive Garden very soon. So we can experience that. And another thing that I just wanted to mention really quickly here is, you know, we talk a lot about the Big Island. And the Big Island is one of the major islands here in, you know, in Hawaii. A lot of times people confuse it with Oahu because Oahu is, got, is the most populated, but it's not the biggest. Uh, they call the Big Island, and it's actually short for the island of Hawaii. That's the island of Hawaii, is the Big Island. So the Hawaii Visitors Bureau and the Big Island Visitors Bureau is um, telling everybody, don't call it the Big Island. You should be calling it the Hawaii Island. So I will try to do that as well. It technically is, that is correct. It really should be called the Hawaii Island. And that really it, it kind of distinguishes it from you know, it being Hawaii, because, you know, people might confuse Hawaii with the Big Island. You know, there's all these weird things that go on with the names of the islands, but uh, I think that's an important one to remember. So it's really not the Big Island. It's the Hawaii Island. Anyway, hopefully you'll remember that when you're uh, when you're talking about the islands here. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an, a, an effort to, to do that, too, in my vocabulary. Call it the Hawaii Island rather than the Big Island. Got some questions here that I wanted to go over. Uh, there's the first one is from, let's see, is from Patricia. She's a Facebook friend, and she's asking whether or not Maui has the same kind of shrimp trucks that we have on Oahu. And if you've read about the islands or you know anything about the islands, Oahu has a lot of these great shrimp trucks where you can get these uh, shrimp scampi. Uh, and really, there's a lot of fresh shrimp because they get them from these prawns which they actually grow up in up on the on the on the north shore of the of Oahu and the answer is yes they do have a couple of trucks one that i know of is the Jesty shrimp truck and they have a spicy pineapple shrimp that uh, we had there uh, once it was just incredible that's the only one that comes to mind off the top of my head i'm sure if you google search it or something you'll find it but the answer short answer is yes they do not quite in an abundance that you have it on Oahu but you definitely want to check that one out and it's the uh, Jest shrimp truck and i'll put it up on the uh, podcast page after the show as well. The other question comes from Chris, and he's asking, what is the most exciting trail on Kauai? And if you're asking what is the most exciting walking trail, I, I have to say it has to be the Nepali Coast. We did a whole a piece about the Nepali Coast recently on our podcast page, but it has to be one of the most visually pleasing hikes there is in all of Hawaii. It gives you unbelievable breathtaking views of the mountains and, and you can hike to secluded beaches along this hike as well, which is great. And then you can even f hike further into a waterfall. It's about a two and a half mile hike, but it's not exactly an easy hike. And I would recommend this doing it in the summer months rather than in the winter months. Sometimes it can be, I would, I would say it's a intermediate advanced hike. This is not a beginner's hike, but if you're in good health, you certainly can do it. And I guarantee you, you're going to max out your camera storage when you go on this hike because the pictures that you're going to get are incredible. 
Next question comes in from Dave McLean, old-time podcast listener, and he's also been to the islands. He hasn't been here in a while, but he's thinking about coming, and he's asking if a person books a trip with us, let's say nine, nine months in advance, and then after the they've booked, if the what happens if the prices go down? And uh, would there be a refund? How would that work? Well, that's a very good question. And we do have plans here where you put a small deposit down and then pay over time. But you do lock in a certain price of the package. Well, f- uh, in the most cases, you can't really change the price uh, because once you've put the deposit, you could cancel it and then lose your deposit, whatever that is, if there's a significant amount of money. So let's say the savings is $1,000 and you forfeit your deposit, which may be $300, well, then it might make sense. The other thing you can do is if we can put one of our no uh, cancel for any reason waivers on there, and, and this is getting a lot harder to do because there's so many more restrictions now than there used to be, but we do have some cases where we can put our uh, waiver on there, and then you can cancel for any reason, book it, book the new trip at a lower price, and then you're all set. So uh, hopefully that helps you with the answer. Of course, if you have any more questions about that, we can talk about that further, David, when you get closer to wanting to book your trip. Uh, Next question comes in from Natasha. She's asking me, do I think that there are more Russians coming to Hawaii? (laughs) Interesting question. You know, um, I haven't really noticed that there are more Russians coming to Hawaii than, than in previous years. There has been a little bit of a spike but nothing unusual. But what a lot of people don't know is that Hawaii is a very popular destination for Russians, and we do have a large amount of people coming from Russia. I think the last count was something like 30, something like 20, 20,000, 20 to 30,000 people. That was a couple of years ago when I remember checking it. And uh, there are companies that just specialize in bringing people to Hawaii from Russia, just like we bring people, specialize in bringing people from mainland all over the world. In Russia too, we bring people in from Russia. But there's a, there's a couple of agencies here that they just cater to that Russian market. So there must be a healthy demand from Russia for it. So I'm really not sure, but I would say maybe a little bit, just because there's just in general a bigger spike in overall tourism here in the islands. I'll be talking about that in our news section too, about uh, visitor count and stuff. That's That's coming up again. And then there's another question coming in from Patty Rogers. She wants to know what kind of festivals or special happenings are going to be happening in April. She's going to be here from April 3rd to the 19th. And unfortunately, there's, there aren't a whole lot. Um, there is the North, South, East, West Festival. That's out at the Windward Community College. It's on the Windward side of the island. And you might want to check that out. There's going to be lots of... Uh, uh, stuff going on there. They're going to have uh, original videos and some works by local artists and some crafts. So it might be a good festival to check out. And also there's more closer in, in at Capiolani Park on the same weekend. Uh, this, this is going to be actually April 6th, April 6th and 7th. Both of these activities happen to be going on. There's the uh, Mythica at Hawaiian Scottish Festival. They have a Hawaiian Scottish Festival. They do that here in Hawaii. We have a Greek festival. We have um, festivals that celebrate other cultures other than our own Hawaiian culture. And you can hear Celtic fusion there. And that's a group from Delaware. And that's going to be at uh, the Capilani Park. Something different to do. Don't know too much about it. Haven't been there, but it's supposed to be a great festival. That's really all that's happening. Um, 
that week. Not a lot happens in April for some reason. I'm not sure why. Uh, then I got another question. Now, this is a question that came in from Sandra. And she wrote to me and she said she just started listening to the show. She's traveling to Maui and Oahu in August. She's going the 20th to 28th. And she's going to spend four days on each island. And she's got her airfare and she's got everything and she's inquiring and we get this a lot about a VBRO, a um, a time, not a timeshare, a vacation rental and this is a beach house and I've done shows about this before as you may know and I've talked about that most of the properties you see on VBRO, air to B&B and so forth are illegal technically and you could also get really screwed if you don't check in to the to the background of the of the place you're going. I mean, you know, and there's ways to do that. And there's um, a, and I'll I'll put a link on our on our podcast page as well, so you can see this. We've done a whole blog post about it. You can get certain information about them, and they have to have certain licensure. And you can plug it into this website, and it'll tell you whether or not it's legitimate or not. One of the biggest red flags is if they don't put actual street addresses on the the web page you're looking at, and and that's a big red flag. And also, if you look, you know, look at the pictures very closely. If it says it's on the beach, but you know, there's just a separate picture of the beach, and there's no picture of the unit uh, of the the, the times the, uh, the vacation rental looking out from the beach. You know what? That that's tricky. And that and there's a couple of red flags on this uh, Hawaii-BeachHouse.com. That made me wonder, is that really a legit one? It could very well be. And most of the time, you're probably going to be fine. But please be careful with those uh, those kinds of vacation rentals. The next question she has is whether or not to do a hotel or condo. And whether or not she wants an actual honeymoon package. because um, And she's making the point that a lot of times when people, when you get these packages, really, if you try to break it down separately, you might end up with a cheaper price, which can be true. Where is the real value? Sometimes they package stuff like champagne and strawberries and stuff like that, inflate the price when you could just go to the store, stop and get a bottle of champagne and some strawberries for half the price. You know what I mean? So um, the really, the question is, what kind of amenities do you want? I mean, is the hotel amenities important to you? If they're not, then a Condo certainly makes a lot of sense, especially on Maui. Maui has one of the largest inventories of condos. We'd like to put folks in condos, and there's actually some great condos that I recommend for for uh, for honeymooners. And I'll be getting in touch with you, as I promised, to give you that information. She also has questions about Molokini and other things, and we're running out of time here, so I won't be able to go into all of that on the show. But I will be writing you back, uh, Sandra, as I promised, and give you some ideas and see if we can somehow earn your business. We do appreciate that. Some news here, uh, Hawaii room rates rise despite lower occupancy. According to a report by Hospitality Advisors, um, Oahu and Maui occupancy declined, causing the statewide occupancy to lower. But guess what? The rates are up by 1.2%. The average daily room rate for Oahu now is $204. On the Big Island, $225. $220 a night is the average room rate on Kauai and on Maui, $281. So that's pretty incredible. And the occupancy rates for Oahu, 84%, uh, 73% on the Big Island, 70% on Kauai, and 83.9% on Maui. Uh, this tourism 
you know, surge that we're having is just continuing. I mean, last year we had record-breaking numbers for tourism, and 2013 is continuing to push the envelope. Uh, in January this year, we had more than 680,000 visitors came to, uh, came to Hawaii, and that's a 6% increase over last year, just to give you the idea. And it's just incredible boom that we're having here. And it just means it's, it's, it becomes a supply and demand thing. And that's for you. It means you better book your, book your vacation in advance. Contact me. We know where the specials are. We know where the deals are. you got to trust us because we're going to help you out. That's what we're all about. And uh, it's just one of those years where it's just it's going to be pretty unpredictable. I don't know where the bubble is going to where where the bubble is going to burst, you know, and where the the tipping point is for uh, the rates to start coming down. But we haven't seen them yet. The hotel rates have been astronomical this year, just astronomical. So that brings me to my next question. If you're going to be coming here and you have your plans to come here, one of the biggest questions we get after we book somebody is. Where can I, you know, where am I going to sit on the plane? Where's the seating? Where am I going to have my seats? You know, typically we like to pick, help you pick seats, but I always like it when people know where they want to sit on the airplane so I can really, you know, zoom, zoom in on it. I can also make suggestions about where to sit, but everybody's a little bit different about that. And that's why I wanted to take some time today to talk about seating on airplanes. And people may disagree about which is the best seat, whether it's an aisle versus a window, but when you have a long flight, and especially a flight, sometimes you're traveling 12, 14 hours on a plane to Hawaii, it's really important to be comfortable. And we want you to be comfortable. So we want you to have as much information about getting the seats that are going to be best for you. Okay, so I did a little bit of research. And one of the first things I did was I reached out to our Facebook friends and put it on our wall and asked people, you know, which is their favorite seat? Is it aisle, window, back, front, whatever? Got some interesting comments and it was kind of split 50-50. Uh, Craig from uh, the Big Island said that he likes to seat ahead of the wings. Uh, Dana says she wants the emergency exit. Jesse Larson said, whatever gets me here the quickest. David Nash says he likes the window seat. It's better for sleeping. And I've got some tips for that in a moment. And Jackie Murphy, she says she always likes an aisle seat because she'd rather stand and let the person out rather than have their butt in their face <laughs> when, she's, when she's sitting there. And Patricia says that uh, she likes an aisle seat, you know, so, you know, it's, it's, it's just preference, you know, I like aisle seats because I like to be able to get up and walk around. I don't want to have to walk in front of people either. That's a pretty common one. Now, according to Skyscanner, this is an online flight comparison site. There seems to be one lucky seat that tends to make flying the easiest. And apparently it's not a first class seat. It's actually seat number 6A and it's a window seat right up front. And they did a survey and they asked a thousand people their preference on airplane seating. It also revealed that people prefer a window seat over an aisle seat. And I was surprised by that. I thought it'd be more 50-50. It was 60-40 ratio. So that's always the biggest question, window or aisle. It's the biggest question. And you know, usually for me, when I fly and I'm on long flights, I usually go with my wife and I usually to sit on the window. I usually ask her to sit in the window and if it's just the two of us, we can switch back and forth, but mostly because it's good to catch some Z's on the window. You know, you can lean on that wall, you know, on the side of the plane. And they're also great for the view. 
And there's nothing like flying into Honolulu and seeing that bird's eye view of the beautiful islands, especially coming in and you can see the coral from, from above. It's beautiful. Even going to other cities like San Francisco when it's late at night and seeing the lights of the city, it's just pretty incredible. They're, they're great. Uh, it's, it's a great view from the window, obviously. Now, like a couple of our friends have said, you know, aisle seats are great for people who want to make, you know, frequent bathroom breaks or don't like to climb over their seats of their neighbors. And it's also kind of good for taller people because people can kind of cheat, you know, ever see people doing that are really tall, you know, you see the, the, the legs are going out into the aisle. It's it's really kind of good, a little bit better for, for an aisle seat for people who are a little larger. It was really not surprising to me to find out that only 1% of people would choose a middle seat over an aisle seat. Think about that. Do you ever uh, want to sit in the middle? No. Why? Because the people on the left and the people on the right are taking your armrest and you really feel claustrophobic. I had to fly recently from, I think it was from Miami to, I think it was Miami somewhere. I forget. It was, I think it was Atlanta, Miami to Atlanta. And I had to sit in the middle. I hated it. It was really claustrophobic. It smelled things from other people that I didn't even want to smell. You know what I mean? It was just really weird sitting in the middle like that. But obviously it tends to get the least amount of space. So most people would only get stuck there. <laughs> now, the other question is, should you sit on the left side of the plane or the right side of the plane? While this may not seem like something that you really need to think about, there's actually a science behind choosing the right or the left side of the plane. According to Scientific America, only 15% of flyers are left-handed. So chances are your seat neighbor will eat, drink, and write with their right hand, right? They're going to tend to lean toward their right side. So the left side is there for your taking, huh? Makes sense. This also usually means that you'll have the armrest available to you on your right, which is always good. Now, the left side of the plane is known to be better for those who prefer window seats. However, because the windows are typically off-center, I don't know if you've ever noticed that on the left side of the plane, they're not like right in the aisle, they're a little off-center, so you get a little more wall space on the left side of the plane. So it's definitely something to think about if you want to sleep during your flight over here. And I never knew that. I never realized, noticed even, that for some reason on the left side of the plane, there's more wall space than on the right side of the plane. Then the next question is front or back of the plane. Well, typically people are going to pick towards the front of the plane. In fact, when we do our seating, automatic seating for people, we always try to get closest to the front window and aisle. That's what we try to get just because typically that's what mostly people want. But it's kind of interesting that People who say they want to sit to the front is because they think that they're going to get on and off the plane faster. Well, that's true, but studies have shown that there's only a six-minute difference between sitting in the front of the plane or the back of the plane. You're going to be waiting for your luggage anyway, so I don't know what it is about the front or the back. I, I really don't, but really, the, the, I can understand why people want to sit in the middle of the plane because in the middle of the plane is where there's less turbulence, so if turbulence is an issue for you, you want to be more towards the middle of the plane. The other thing about sitting in the front of the plane is quieter, too. You know, if that's an issue, then yes, sit in the front of the plane. But it, I don't think it really matters that much front or back to you. I don't know. I uh, I don't really care as much of that about that when I go for seating. I do try to I do try to get that uh, the you know uh, bulkhead seats because sometimes they have more leg room. Now, seven percent of survey respondents said they would choose the back of the plane over the front of the plane, whereas forty six percent said they'd choose the front. That's The front of the plane is typically the first six aisles. 
And when reserving seat numbers, 62% chose an even number over an odd one. I really don't know what the reasoning is of that, but uh, most people, I guess, associate odd numbers like 7 and 13 with unluckiness. Who knows? I, I, I really don't know. The favorite seat number was flight 6A, but what about the worst seat? This, is, uh, been, this has been debated also as well. And that one happens to be 31E, a middle seat towards the back of the plane. No big surprise there, but I guess one good thing about that is it's toward, towards the back of the plane. You're closer to the bathrooms, right? But uh, that, that's not a big surprise to me. Or any of those, I don't really like being way in the back of the plane. And some of the planes, like the, um, the inter-island flights, when you sit in the back of the plane, there's no even window in the back of the plane. So that's really kind of annoying. You're like way in the back. The airlines have discovered this, right? They know how important seating has become to people. So what have they done? They've really tried to capitalize on it. Big surprise, right? Spirit and Airtran and all of them, Southwest, just about every one of them now have all different kinds of pricing for different types of seats on the plane. You can get, you know, $10 for two inches more of room. You know, they've got all of these crazy prices that you can pay for different levels of seats on the plane. Passengers are paying in the average of $15 more than the average ticket price to get one of these little perks on the plane. I think that's going to affect, and that I think that affects the amount of seating that's available for everybody, obviously. I'm just curious if, if that would make a difference to you. I mean, would you pay for the extra seating, for the extra room? I, I, I think some people obviously are doing it. And that happens when you get to the airport. We can't even provide that for you in advance. You do that when you get to the airport on the plane. And there was a TripAdvisor survey that they released just, just last month that found that 40% of people are going to pay extra to sit in a quiet section of the plane. Now, I personally question how this is even possible because how can you stop a baby from crying or somebody from, you know, speaking loud or whatever? It's it's true. These, you know, you see now the airline starting to try and capitalize on this. And pretty soon you'll be paying for everything on the airline, not just your seats, but maybe the bathroom, right? Pretty <laughs> soon you'll have to put coins in the bath in, in the in the door to get, get into the bathroom. There are lots of choices. We're gonna help you with these choices. The reason I bring this up is so that you can kind of have an idea of what kind of seat you and you want to always mention that to us when you're booking your trip. Let us know what your seating preference is. And if you need some advice for it, we can always help. I mean, you want to ask yourself the questions, kind of some of the things we're talking about here. Do you use the bathroom a lot? Are you someone that doesn't want to bother your neighbors multiple times to get up? You know, are you looking to sleep? How about needing some privacy and stuff like that? But with all of that, there are occasions when we can't even assign a seat. And this is where it gets very difficult for folks to understand. There's a certain point when your reservation is made that there's uh, that the seating is cut off. And it's usually when the plane is 60% full, then they cut off all seating assignments. And also, if, you, if you're booking within a certain window of time, it, it, it varies with the airlines, you can't even assign seats. And this is where we get into a, a real tough situation with some customers who are booking, you know, like last minute, and then they want these certain seats on the plane, just not available. So you got to remember when that happens, you got to go to the airport and get your seat assigned at the airport. If you get there early, chances are you're going to get the seat you want. You know, sometimes we have to separate people 
when it's a last minute booking or you're not able to assign seats. But then when you get to the airport, you can resolve that at the ticket counter. And that happens quite often. Keep that in mind. It's not really as big of a problem as you think. I mean, you can end up being separated, but more often than not, you can get this resolved at the counter if you get there early enough. So hopefully that helps you out. Help That'll help you with your seating requirements. We're always going to do our best for you to get you the seats you want. And we have lots of ways of assigning seats. So you definitely want to make sure that you cover that with your agent. Usually agents will bring that up. We'll always ask our customers about seating. But in case that doesn't happen, you'll be ready to go. So hopefully that helps you out. That's going to do it for us here at the Hawaii Vacation Connection. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget we do this every Friday, so we'll see you next Friday. Please get me your questions, your comments. And if you're on iTunes, I'd really appreciate some comments. We've had some negative feedback from years ago uh, that's on the iTunes uh, comments. So if you could please, if you like the show, please uh, let us know. Let us know what you like about it and put those comments in iTunes. That's going to wrap it up. For my beautiful wife yelling, for all of us here at Hawaii Aloha Travel, I'll say aloha and mahalo.